Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in, and this week we have another pretty cool episode, a little bit different than the route we've been taking most of the year, but it's a great conversation, and I think there's a lot of value in it. Um, I've been uh, I've been watching the past couple weeks. I've been watching crops die um, or, or wilt up and shrivel away. We're in the dog days of summer right now, for sure. Uh, we've had a lot of consistent 90 plus degree days, hot sun, minimal rain. Uh, it seems like we just catch enough rain here and there just to give us a little bit hope to the next growth phase in our crops. And uh, it's a pretty stressful time right now with the uh, the amount of investment costs that we have out there. And there's a lot of stress on us. And, uh, you know, I, I translate that over to food plots and I'm really not that worried and the reason I'm not that worried is because everything that I've looked at that we've done is is in really good condition. Don't get me wrong, there's some stress, but uh, there is plenty of cover on the soil. It seems as though the, the level of stress and wilting and things like that you would see in plants when they start to lose moisture just seems reduced. Um, it's it's there, but there's plenty of green cover. There's there's plenty of organic matter that's holding moisture, and I'm really not concerned about it. Now I know that this fall we're going to come through and put a fall food plot blend in, and I believe in the coming weeks we're going to talk a little bit more in depth some food plot fall food plot strategies, and kind of go from there. But um, I'm I'm really not concerned about it because we're going to have some stuff that we're going to leave standing that's going to provide grain uh, in the form of sorghum, and we're going to have uh, a drill go through and put green underneath. And even if we have some drier conditions here that lead into August in that time frame, we would plant. I'm still pretty confident that the soil temperature is different where there's cover compared to where there's not. I've already gone into fields at planting time and taken soil sample uh, temperature samples and you put a thermometer in the soil and you compare it to a place where there's a lot of biomass cover from what you left over in the springtime that you you, you planted into left stay and there's just a straw mat there I've seen as high as a 40 to 50 degree difference um, lower in that section of field compared to a field that would have just had no cover crop and was just bare dirt and then you planted your crop into and that's a big deal this time of year because that translates to uh, moisture saving later into these times and that's important to me um, you know that stress on plants we're seeing we're probably seeing some stress on wildlife and the more things that you can do um, into that into the, the realm of you know, conserving soil and, and, and the other work you do for quality habitat, it's definitely going to have an impact, um, a positive impact for that matter. But we're seeing, uh, we're, we're, we got 
cameras out. We're starting to see some of the deer come back that we were after last year. It's getting to be a really, really exciting time. And, uh, you know, getting back to what we're going to be discussing this week, it's uh, not necessarily the, the deep, hard strategy of chasing whitetails and chasing our passion. It's uh, it's something that you've probably heard me, you know, flirt around in conversation a little bit here and there, and that would be managing your priorities and and also dealing with a passion. You know, my passion's bow hunting, my passion's whitetails. I love that. I love the big woods. I love bow hunting. But, you know, everybody that listens to this or a lot of people that listen to these podcasts, they're they're a lot like us. They're a lot like the people who put the content out and they're family men. They've got wife, kids, and that's priority. I've said it I've said it so many times and I'll say it again. My priorities in order are God, family, friends, you know, my career, finances, things like that that really are important. And then somewhere down below all that list, then will come hunting and will come my passion. And I don't think I do the best job truly executing that that plan, but it is where my priorities lie in my mind, and it's what I'm always striving to do. That could be difficult, and it was difficult for me last year as I saw things change with our first son getting to of age and, you know, with the extracurriculars that my wife does in the fall. Now we have a a newborn in March. Uh, I'm just so blessed to have these two beautiful boys and a wife that's uh, a great mother and and a great wife, and I am troubled because I see the time that I have available to spend in the fall dwindle and I see it even harder as I used to have this mentality that I needed to be in the woods at the right time you know I have all these parameters in my mind that I need to follow whether I'm watching wind weather weather patterns time of year yada 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 morning versus evening and you know I try to go into the best spots at the best times and be efficient and that gets to be very difficult when I can't go at those times and I'm trying to make something happen so you know with that all that said this week our conversation I, I talk with somebody who's a little bit more wise than I am and I got to do a first, and it was the first time that we're going to have one of the fellow contributors on the network chat with us, and that would be Josh Raley from Wisconsin Sportsman. Uh, Josh, I got to know, and he's a really cool guy. You know, he is he's a father, he's a husband, but he's passionate about hunting. And he's had some crazy changes in life, and he'll share some of that with you. Uh, moving all over the country, moving to Wisconsin, taking over the Wisconsin Sportsman, and he also took over the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is a, they're both fantastic podcasts. I, I suggest you listen to uh, some of his content because he's a really, really well-spoken content creator, and he has a lot of great guests. But we chat a little bit with him and some of the experiences that he's had on this topic, we, we talk a little bit about hunting and what we're into and favorite stuff like that. And we talk about some family stuff and just managing your time, managing your priorities and keeping it fun, keeping it 
a healthy passion that we don't lose sight of where priorities really are. So before we get to this episode real quick, I just want to shout out to Little Mountain Outfitters. Little Mountain Outfitters is a quality archery shop in Richland, Pennsylvania. If you are looking to upgrade your bow and <clears throat> to a prime, a Hoyt, I'm sorry, no Hoyt. I got yelled at the last time. They are not a Hoyt deal, but they're prime Matthews bear. And they also are dealers for 10 point crossbows, mission crossbows, and a whole bunch more guys. They are a quality dealer with a, a, a shelf stocked full. Go check them out. With that, you've got a lot of other really cool brands that are in that in that shop. Um, arrows, accessories. You've got uh, tethered and all the uh, all, anything you can imagine as far as saddle hunting. And what's great is you go in there and you can try stuff on. You can stand on. You can stand on the different platforms. You can try the different harnesses on and everything else. And it's uh, it's a great opportunity for you to get a feel for something if you're looking to try saddle hunting. And uh, they're also real-world food plot seed dealers, and that is right around the corner. We are here as this episode airs. It's the third week of July, and we are right around the corner ready to plant food plots, fall plots, and he has you covered with anything you can imagine in that realm. So be sure to check them out. Little Mountain Outfitters, Richland, Pennsylvania. Won't be sorry. I think it'll be time well spent, and they'll get you prepped and ready to go this fall. Okay, let's hit this episode. We are live, and thank you very much, Josh, for coming on. We have another uh, Sportsman's Empire contributor this week. This is the first time I've ever actually got to do an episode with somebody who's on the network on the Pennsylvania Woodsman Show. So, Josh, thank you so much for coming on. Man, thanks for having me on, Mitch. This is uh, this is exciting. This is uh, I'm gonna set the bar sufficiently low uh, when it comes to Sportsman's Empire guests or, or hosting uh, hosts coming on your show. So yeah, nah, thanks I think for having you said me. Said it pretty good. I think it's it's been cool because like we have the uh, we have those network meetings every now and then, and they're just you know like this over over the phone or kind of over Zoom, and like I could put names and faces, and I've had a couple conversations with some other guys, and you know I was able I did an uh, an episode or two, I did some episodes with Dan Matthews on Nomadic, and you know I got to know John Teeter at Whitetail Landscapes, and you know Andrew and Paul at Ohio, like I, I got to do some of that, put start doing that, so it's like now I have this goal, I kind of want to just get to know everybody and you know, at some level, have those conversations with everybody. Cause this has been fun. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I've been kind of wanting to do the same thing. Cause this is just a good group of guys. Like I've, I've gotten to communicate with folks, you know, text message emails when we have our big meetings and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, man, it's just a good group of dudes. Like these guys are willing to help out. They're willing to, you know, let you learn from them. Um, yeah, just, it's a great network to be a part of. Well, it is, and like I, I've said it on other episodes, and I'll say it again, like the outdoor community and hunters, I don't know a group of people who want to help and give back to others like that group specifically. Um, I don't know if it's because, you know, we've all got, you know, some kind of skin in the game. We want to be helpful because, you know, we're trying to, maybe prove to ourselves we can do it and help somebody else or if it's just the sheer fact that it's a a give back type feeling when you do something in the hunting you know outdoors type realm um so I, I i i we had this conversation a little bit earlier i'm 
you know, wouldn't mind going into it with you because uh, podcasting was something that was really new to me. It was different. Um, I still can't believe I'm doing this show for over a year. It's been a fun journey. And you kind of shared that same thing too. I mean, tell me a little bit about the uh, podcasts. That's I say that plural now that you took over. Tell me a little bit about your experience doing that. Yeah. So, um, gosh, I guess it would have been, I don't know, back in er, ooh, 2021, early 2021, maybe late 2020. Um, I, I've always been a big podcast listener, man. I, you know, throw the earbuds in and just listen to podcasts no matter what I'm doing. And once I moved up to Wisconsin from Louisiana, one of my favorite things to do in the afternoons and in the evenings was to kind of go and glass the ag fields around. And the whole time I'm doing that, I'm listening to podcasts and I hear Dan Johnson say, Hey, we're moving in a direction where we're going to have state specific content. A lot of state specific podcasts are kind of getting going. And I think at the time there was an Ohio podcast. That's not the current one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the Missouri guys had been going for a bit and I think you were about to come on or something. There was a Michigan show. And um, so he was like, Hey, I'm just looking to expand. So if there's guys out there interested, you know, hit me up. And so I was like, man, well, I'll, I'll check this out because my, my curiosity about Wisconsin is genuine because I'm not from Wisconsin originally. I, I knew nothing about Wisconsin, didn't know how to hunt in Wisconsin. So I thought, hey, I may, I may have a little bit of a different kind of interesting take on hunting and fishing in the outdoors in Wisconsin. And I'd grown to really just appreciate the natural resources that Wisconsin offered because coming from a state like Alabama, um, there, there's public land in Alabama but it's not easily accessible a lot of times. Oh, uh, if you don't live in a more, um, if you don't live close to rural settings, it can be really tough to get on. And what you do find is really, really pressured. Uh, and honestly, the state, well, the the owner, the landowners, right, care more about the timber harvest coming off the property than they do the hunter's experience. Uh, you know that that's where the revenue comes from is from timber. And so, uh, you know, moving to a state like Wisconsin where the DNR pours a ton of money into these properties and, you know, number one on their list is habitat health and, you know, herd health and that kind of thing. And number two, closely behind that is the hunter's experience out on these properties. I just had such an appreciation for that. I was like, I want to celebrate this. You know, I want people in Wisconsin to kind of, I don't know, get a grasp and kind of understand more of, of just how special um, things really are in, in the state of Wisconsin. So uh, I reached out to Dan through my wife's Instagram account because at the time I didn't even have one. Uh, I had never had an Instagram account before. So I reached out to him, said, hey, let's let's give it a shot. And uh, he said, all right, that's fine. You know, let, let's let's do it. We'll have an audition. And so I ended up recording an episode with Brett Owsley from the Wisconsin DNR, who's just a, a great guy. And recording the episode, did my best to edit it and get it clean and nice and uh, sent in to Dan. And he was like, sounds good, man. Let's rock. And so, you know, he kind of gave me some tips and pointers like, hey, you may want to work on this. Hey, this wasn't quite what it needs to be. And then since then, man, we've just been rocking and rolling. We went from every other week to now we're producing a weekly show. And then I went from just hosting the Wisconsin Sportsman podcast to taking over the How to Hunt Deer podcast from Dan Dan had started that as a joint effort between the Nine Finger Chronicles and the um, National Deer Association. Right. And it was kind of all geared towards the new hunter, the adult onset hunter, uh, somebody who maybe hunted as a kid and they're coming back around to it, that kind of thing. So it started off really basic, and we've kind of kept that 
that similar basic theme, but we've gone a little bit more in depth and every week we're kind of building on that. And as the years continue to progress, we, we obviously want to continue to build. And if folks want to go back and get some of that really basic content and information, they can go back and listen to the earlier episodes or if they want more up-to-date strategy kind of stuff, or they're trying to, you know, really hone in on a specific, you know, topic when it comes to how to hunt deer, these later episodes are going to be geared towards that. Nice. That's quite the transition in the world of podcasting. So are you, you said you're originally from Alabama? You sound, you you kind of sound like you're in that in-between phase. Like I was expecting like a a Southern accent versus like your Wisconsin accent. You kind of like that (laughs) in-between phase. No, I'm just kidding with you. Um, So where do you kind of find your interest in hunting. I mean, you're taking over the how to hunt deer podcast. You're in an extremely rich deer hunting state. I'm going to assume that that's where you find your most interest throughout, uh, your outdoor passion. But I mean, tell me a little about what you're most interested in. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, up to this point, it's been deer, man. And I went through a phase that lasted basically from the time I was about 14 years old until here recently where I eat, sleep and breathe whitetails Mm -hmm. 365 days a year that's all i'm worried about if i'm out in the woods in the spring it's for deer if i'm out in the summer i'm scouting for deer if i'm out in the fall i'm hunting for deer if i'm out in the winter i'm hunting for deer and um it started to kind of expand a little bit with moving to wisconsin there's just a ton of opportunity uh you know coming from alabama we have a real long hunting season you could start bow hunting on october 15th you can bow hunt all the way to like uh, february 10th at this point Our rut is real late in the year, um, and you can really struggle to find success in in the the piney woods of Alabama. Um, Probably a lot more similar to big woods hunting uh, up in Pennsylvania than than dissimilar from that. And so, um, you know, so I was all whitetails, but then now moving to Wisconsin with the plethora of opportunity and just the likelihood that I'm going to run into a mature buck a couple of times a season, Mm -hmm. uh, it started to expand. So I've started chasing pheasants. I've started trout fishing quite a bit, and uh, man, I got bit by the turkey bug real bad. Okay. Um, man, that has. I'm passionate about whitetails. I'm weird about turkeys. <laughs> what do you mean, I mean weird it, by turkeys? <laughs> man, I mean I can't sleep. I mean I don't eat. I mean I get up at two o'clock in the morning to get back in on a roosted bird. And I'll sit with that bird all day long until you know eight o'clock when they're about to fly up. Um, yeah, man, I just, I just go after them hard. And, and during the spring, it's like, I can't get my mind back around to anything else. It's like, man, I might get fired, you know, like <laughs> I, this, the chasing turkeys around may legitimately cost me my job because I just lose any sense of responsibility and, uh, get after chasing those birds, man. Wow. And, you know, I've only been doing it for a couple of years, but it, it got me pretty good. Turkey hunting can definitely be addicting. I mean, I've been the first big game animal I ever harvested was a a really nice gobbler here in Pennsylvania, and I've always enjoyed chasing turkeys. I've been able to hunt properties that had turkeys. I've kind of watched things fluctuate and change over time. I've seen our turkey population decrease in some sense. The uh, the overall hunter satisfaction and the amount of birds you hear gobbling has changed. Uh, mostly what's happened to me is the phase of life taking away the potential to go turkey hunting. Um, I 
I've been an agronomist now for with a private consulting company for six years. And, you know, you're getting into May, you're getting into the busiest part of the year for me. You're getting into the heart of planting season, and I'm, you know, covering a lot of acres with uh, with all the growers we work with. And that's, that's time-consuming. And every day that I say I'm going to get up early and I'm going to go chase turkeys, that's going to put my uh, my workload a little bit later into the day until I get home. And it was a time that didn't really matter because while I was married or if I, if I was before I was married or in the beginning when I was married, it, there was really no harm, no foul. And, you know, I've since added a new realm to my life, and that's children. Uh, we have two beautiful boys, two years old, three months old, and now – it's not that I don't love turkey hunting because I had uh, I had some close calls this year. I had uh, some great turkey hunting experiences, but I I had to force myself at a certain point in the season that I'm just not gonna get I'm not gonna allow myself to get bit by the bug any more than I have and get serious about it because it's gonna cost me responsibility. It's gonna cause me some headaches. And I just, I have to turn it off, even though I don't want to, because I do love turkey hunting. I mean, there's something about uh, a bird gobbling on the roost in the morning and working, you know, working a bird off the roost or, uh, you know, my favorite is a late morning bird because it's like everything dies down. You're kind of getting into the slumps and like somehow you just go for a walk at 10 o'clock and you find a bird that just wants to play the right lingo. Those are the ones that are just so much fun to play with. I mean, yeah, man. one of the last yeah. birds I killed in Pennsylvania, it wasn't really, it was like 8.30 when I killed them, but I, I did a whole loop through the entire property. Uh, it was like a 300-acre property, and I didn't see or hear a darn thing, and I'm getting disgusted. I'm like, it's the beginning of the season, I didn't even see or hear a turkey this morning. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I, I made a loop back to where I started in the one section of property. I'm like, I'm making one last call, and then if I don't hear anything, I'm out of here. And sure enough, where I started, there was birds walking from the neighbor's property, but they were working their way back up to where we were hunting. And uh, 15 minutes later, I was tagged out. You know, it was it was it's just like how quick turkey hunting can can just make things. You looked like you had a heck of a turkey season this year. Yeah, man, I ended up with uh, ended up with three birds. Had some opportunities at some others, and um, really pushed myself kind of out of my comfort zone this year. Um, just trying to learn new things, try new tactics, um, push myself a little bit more onto public land and a little bit less onto the, on the private places where I have permission. And, um, yeah, ended up, ended up having a really good year. Um, I tell you, Wisconsin's a special place when it comes to, uh, when it comes to wild turkeys. I mean, I think a lot of people associate the deep South with kind of the, the, the heartbeat of turkey hunting, but, um, man, great turkey hunting in Wisconsin. But everybody should everybody should stay in their home state and not come hunt Wisconsin. Uh, just <laughs> you know, I've just get I've, that out there. I've often so this is my disclaimer. I've been through Wisconsin one time in my life, and that was on my way to an elk hunting trip that I did in 2019. So I drove through it. So my knowledge about Wisconsin has purely been things like listening to the Wisconsin sportsmen, listening to sportsmen from Wisconsin, um, you know, YouTube or, or hunting channels or stuff like that, and the content I've consumed around that. But 
what I take away, there's a lot of parallels between the state of Pennsylvania and the state of Wisconsin because they're both game-rich environments. We have a lot of deer hunters in Pennsylvania, as does Wisconsin. Uh, turkey hunting, it's down compared to what it used to be in Pennsylvania, but there's still good turkey hunting here. We've got a healthy bear population. Uh, we got a lot of small game opportunity. And then we've got a lot of diversity in habitat type across the state. Like I'm in the southeastern part of the, the, the state, which is kind of Ridge Valley, a lot of ag. And then you get into the central part of the state, you've got giant mountains, and then you get into other sections in the northeast that are like mountains, but it's like heavy hardwood swamps. And then you get into the western part of the state, and you kind of got these this like mix. Like it's just, it's diverse. And then like from what I gather from Wisconsin, like there's obviously big woods in the north and kind of similar stuff going on in ag land, mixed ag in the south, but definitely rich in game and then both are very rich in their hunting heritage i mean the amount of hunters and the amount of uh amount of deer hunters and licensed sales there's a lot of similarities there i mean i think both states are within the top five licensed sales within the country oh yeah absolutely absolutely and yeah like you said wisconsin's a really diverse state man we've got um you know where i live uh the southern part of the state there's um it's basically farm country um, I'm kind of in the central Southern part of the state, uh, farm country. If I head East, I get into a lot of uh, cattail marsh and that kind of stuff. Kind of like what you see Dan in fault hunting. Yeah. Uh, if I head West, then I'm in the driftless region, which is just a really special place, man. Uh, the glaciers, when they, when they came through or receded or whatever, uh, did not flatten out that portion. So there's these just steep ridges and bluffs and just beautiful country with, you know, ag fields, uh, either in the bottoms or up on top, and then uh, timbered draws and just absolutely beautiful. And like you said, you had a couple hours north, and you're you're in the north woods, man, and 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 in big woods and on huge, huge chunks of of public land, and uh, yeah, a little bit of smattering of everything in between. And and the deer hunting heritage here is strong, man. Our our nine day gun season is um, it's a sight to behold. Now, from what I understand, it's not kind of it's not quite what it used to be. You know, you go out, it doesn't necessarily sound like World War III. But uh, on the opener of last year's gun season, I went out on a little piece of public and got set up. I didn't want to go too far in because I didn't want to be walking past a bunch of guys on my way out that morning because there were some folks who, who party hunt the area and that kind of thing. And um, from where I was sitting, I had a half moon of seven hunters around me that I could see. They were all within, you know, two 200 yards of me or so. And... Yeah, we were we were packed in there tight. So uh, strong tradition and, uh, you know, great hunting all around. I mean, really good deer hunting, really good turkey hunting, really good waterfowl hunting. A lot of people don't know Wisconsin is uh, maybe not a destination state for waterfowl, but it probably should be. Mm. Um, and then, you know, really high quality, small game hunting. And um, yeah, just lots of opportunities. And a lot of folks don't know this, but the Driftless region of Wisconsin actually has some of the best trout fishing that you can find. Uh, just fantastic spring fed creeks, small creeks. So they're, you know, present kind of a unique challenge, uh, as opposed to some of the stuff you may have there in, in PA. Um, but yeah, good stuff. Pennsylvania. Uh, there's another similarity and I didn't even know that. So Pennsylvania has, I think it has the second most amount of stream miles out of any state under the in the country except to Alaska. Like we've got intermittent streams everywhere filled with native trout. And, you know, that's another very 
highly pop, you know, popular thing, but then you talked about the nine day gun season. That was one of the things I always could relate to whenever I'd hear people talk about Wisconsin, because, you know, we've, I feel like Pennsylvania's always talked about the orange army and that, that, uh, we have a two week deer season. It always, uh, used to always start the Monday after Thanksgiving and, uh, you know, then it goes for two weeks after that. And it's since then it's gone to Saturday. So it's a definitely a, a very similar parallel, but you know, you know, some of the things that I wanted to pick your brain on today were really not comparing uh, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, so to speak, although I could probably do that with you for, you know, hours. What I was really curious about is, you know, I've listened to some of the episodes you've done, and I can hear in your voice and in your descriptions um, some of the, the changes and phase of life that you've experienced, and I can relate to them, and I think you've got a little bit more experience. And uh, what I'm mainly talking about is, uh, you know, changes in career changes in with family you're you know father of three and really just balancing that within the priorities and your interest in your your hunting career so i'm really curious how did you go from the deep south to wisconsin because that is like a very very out and left field transition for on the surface yeah man it, it's a it's a weird one and and to be honest with you when people were finding out that we were moving, there was just this look of like, why, what is in Wisconsin? Like, isn't it all just badgers and big trees? Like what, what, and snow, like what else goes on up there? Um, so, um, some folks know this, some folks don't I've talked about it a bit on my podcast. Uh, I've been in vocational ministry for roughly 12 years and I was serving at a church down in Louisiana, actually. So grew up in Alabama, made our way down to Louisiana. We were in Baton Rouge. Uh, so, you know, way, way down there in Louisiana, and uh, got an email one day from a guy at a church in Wisconsin. Just said, hey, we've got an open position. I heard about you. Think you might be interested. Let me know. And so my wife and I prayed about it. And we felt like that was uh, that was what the Lord had next for us. And so we took a leap and interviewed for the job and ended up getting the position. So that's what moved us, uh, moved us up to Wisconsin. And, I, I, you know, I wasn't really sure. They call Louisiana the sportsman's paradise. And... Um, I don't really know why they have that name. Uh, oh. Granted, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to do there, um, but it can be really tough, especially for the guy that doesn't have access to high quality private land. Their public land is just a beast. It's like basically just the stuff that you can't hardly get to mm. or move around on. Just the terrain can be really really brutal. Um, so yeah, so a, a position at a church actually brought us up to Wisconsin and so I started Googling, you know, what's in Wisconsin. And I was thinking, eh, is that really a big buck state? I mean, I hear about Kansas, I hear about Iowa, I hear about Illinois and man, sure enough, he, the Lord planted us right there in just a fantastic area, uh, in Wisconsin. And we just immediately fell in love with it. I mean, the town that we live in, we love, and then just all the outdoor opportunities. We're a really outdoorsy family anyway. Okay. And so, um, yeah, it was huge for us. That's how we made the jump. Um, how old are your kids? They are um, seven, about to be eight in in like two weeks. Okay. Um, six, and then three, about to be four in about two weeks. Okay. So for all intents and purposes, you can say eight, six, and four. Yeah. Okay. So, um, a lot happening at a young age for them with those moves and transitions and, uh, sounds, you know, God is good and everything. And, you know, I think those who see that and truly believe that get to really, uh, 
learn about that throughout the course of their life. But, you know, kudos to you for, for calling out and listening to what he had to offer you. Cause, uh, um, sounds like a really cool transition. Um, you know, what I struggle with Josh all the time is I am, you know, you talked about whitetails and being infatuated with them and I'm infatuated with whitetails too. I've, I've grown up on private land. I've grown up and, you know, just drawn to learning about habitat and how manipulating and improving habitat can improve your hunting quality and it's it's got me into this this idea of how to make food better food plots and how to create better early succession habitat and then relate a good hunting strategy to it and you can get hooked on stuff like that even if it's just you know you have no interest in the habitat but you're hunting i mean you know that big white tail there's something about it that just makes you almost become not human if you use my wife's words um <laughs> and uh you know experience in being a new dad has been just uh, a roller coaster of emotions but uh last year was an eye-opener for me because you know while i don't think i've got it all figured out over the course of my hunting career i feel that i've made I, I've come up with ways that I think make me successful. And one of those ways is um, paying attention to weather and cameras and past data and going to hunt at the best times and not hunting as much as it, as humanly possible. Going in when the conditions are favorable for me to get in, get out, and capitalize. And it's seemed like it's worked really well, but what I'm learning now in this new phase of life is my time is not my own and I need to figure out how to hunt when I have the time and I need to learn to accept and not be a grumpy little baby when, uh, when I want to go and I can't. And that's just been extremely, extremely tough for me. Um, I mean, you've got to be able to relate to me in some sense. Oh man, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially that piece about, uh, being able to handle not going and not being a grumpy little baby about it. Like oh. that's been a, that's been a growing process for me, man. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been tough. You know, my, I, I'm blessed to have a, an awesome wife who understands that there are special times in the deer woods and that there are times where I'm going to be, my odds of success are much higher mm-hmm. than others. And she does a great job at prioritizing those. And I have found if I can keep the communication open and if I can say, hey, you know, at the beginning of the year, for instance, these are kind of uh, the time frames that I really want to get out in the woods, then she can do um, her best to kind of help me make that happen and help me keep that balance and 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 really help me keep keep peace at home. Right. You know, and I, I can. um you know, she can schedule play dates and stuff for the kids while I'm gone. And so that way it's not just, well, dad's not home today. It's, oh, we're going over to have fun at little Johnny's house mm-hmm. today or, or, you know, whatever that looks like. So, but it's a journey, man. We're still, we're still figuring it out. So, uh, this year I'm going to be hunting more than I ever have before. I've got, uh, one, two, three, four at least four different states that I'm going to be hunting this fall. Wow. Um, and all for you know, whitetails. We, yeah, all for whitetails. And so we, we sat down yesterday actually. And I said like, here, here are my ideal dates. Like here's, here's the ideal 
of the fall that I would love to have. And so let's, let's begin the process now of how do we, um, you know, what's acceptable for family time? What, what keeps me around enough where, you know, the, the family doesn't feel abandoned. And for those weeks that I am gone, how do we make sure that grandpa's coming or you guys are taking a trip to Nana and Opa's house so that they're having a good time? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, how do we how do we fill that time in where it's not just time where dad's gone? It's, hey, we got to do this really fun thing um, on this particular weekend. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've struggled a lot with the thought. So, so first of all, I don't hunt for anybody else other than myself. Uh, I mean, I don't do any hunting for anybody. It's all for me. And when you think about it that way, hunting, and this is not just hunting, it can be any personal endeavor you have in life, um, that can get really selfish and can turn really dark in a short amount of time if you don't have everything else in your life prioritized appropriately. And, um, you know, chasing a mature deer, trying to shoot a mature buck is selfish. Um, and I'm always trying to look for anybody's advice or just philosophy over the topic in, um, doing it in a healthy manner. And then also coming back and saying, well, even in that selfish endeavor, Um, There was other things that we did along the way with people because obviously having said that we we are a very tightly knit group of individuals, us as hunters and uh, try to give back as much as possible. I mean, do you have anything to add on that? I feel like it's kind of an open ended rambling statement. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, I think you're right. I think it, it can become a very, very selfish thing. Um, for instance, one of the things that I tried to do this past year, this past uh, turkey season, actually, was to bring a lot of different people out turkey hunting with me. Um, in some regards, that was really good. In some regards, it was not so great because it cost me some 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 birds at, at different times. But, um, you know, and, and even making sure I'm bringing my kids and involving them. Uh, got my wife out for her first turkey hunt and got her, you know, Almost got her a bird. She and she ended up missing. I haven't told that story much on the podcast because I don't think she wants folks to know that she missed. But, um, but yeah. So just just trying to do my best as far as engaging my whole family, engaging friends of ours as well. And then you know when I am home, I, th- I think one of the keys I, I try to make sure that when I'm home, I'm all there. You know, and and I'm I'm 100 dad whenever uh, I'm not out. You know, at the end of I always try to take a vacation right at the end of turkey season so that I can spend a whole week with my family, you know, outdoors, having fun, Mm -hmm. doing all kinds of different things. And so, um, yeah, that's all that's all just huge. And then one one part to your last question that I didn't really talk much about and I should have is we have so many tools at our fingertips right now that can help us be more successful and really maximize our time in the woods. You know, we have apps that will, you know, use AI to predict deer movement. Now, Mm. if you believe in those or not, Hey, who knows? But, um, you know, you have cell cameras. So I'm running the reveal cell cameras and man, those tell me when a certain spot turns on, like I've got a spot right now, I've got a a camera sitting there and it's going to let me know come late October when this scrape area fires off again, when it's hot last year, it was hot. 
uh, for a couple of days right there at the end of October, and then November 5th through 12th, it was on fire. Mm. So I know that as soon as I start seeing a buck on there, I can expect a couple of days of daylight movement right after that. So I'm going to move in on that, and I'm going to leave it alone until then, and I'm not going to have to feel the pressure to get out there before that. I'm not going to have to be pushing for, hey, I'm, I'm off work now. Can I go get in the woods kind of thing? Um, so we have a lot of tools at our disposal. Uh, my goodness, maps, being able to map scout from home. That's huge, you know, and, and not having to, to put boots on the ground all day for a Saturday. To be able to pick a couple spots out on a map and say, I'm going to take two hours and I'm going to go speed scout this stuff that I've already got marked on the map. So we have a lot at our disposal that can help us not only be more effective in the woods, but more efficient with our time so we can be more effective dads and husbands when we're at home. Without a doubt. I, uh, and again, I think the, the one thing that I, I often struggle with too is, is knowing that balance, not just in a uh, dad sense and a husband sense, but in a spiritual sense. And uh, because as I said, things can dark, get dark pretty quick, even in the home, it can get pretty dark in your spiritual life. And while, um, being in creation is something that you're able to connect with and speak with the Lord, and that's something that I uh, really do cherish. Um, I can get easily blinded by an ambition of just trying to punch a tag, and uh, I think we all can in a sense, and that is, that's been another kind of big struggle and just really time management and just the mental health of doing something we love and not letting it get uh, too costly, so to speak. Yeah, for sure, man. And, you know, I, I'll I'll share kind of a personal uh, story from this past spring. So um, I was not able to hunt season A in Wisconsin. I had a season B tag, and I, I hit it pretty hard right away. Uh, got a turkey on the first morning and uh, was back out again in season C, chasing birds around. And all of a sudden I realized that I had seen, at this point I think it was like four or five different sunsets and I had not taken a moment to like stop and thank the Lord for the sunset that I was experiencing Mm. and you know, the sound of gobbles around me. And that's something that years past I've always done a good, you know, I've always done. It's just, it's, it's created that in me. You know, it's not like I'm just like, Oh, let me check this box of like thanking the Lord for what I'm doing, but it's, it's welled up in gratitude in my heart in previous years. But this year I was so laser focused on filling these tags that I realized like, man, I've seen five or six sunsets or sunrises at this point and it has not welled up in gratitude. Mm. So it immediately kind of waved this flag, like, Hey, something's off, man. Like you gotta, you gotta go home and rethink, you know what, what it is that you're doing. Cause you're not out here for the right reasons. Um, you may be being effective. You may be getting it done in the woods, but you're not out there for the right reasons. Do you think that's been amplified for you? Because, cause I feel in a sense it almost has for me, like I'm trying to, I don't have to prove anything other than to myself, but now that, you know, I've started the Pennsylvania Woodsman, I want to have good content for people and I want to have it be relatable is like an added element of just trying to get it done. And I, I feel like doing this podcast is connected. I mean, is that something that you experience? Oh, absolutely, man. It's like, I got to do it for the gram. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and it, it's really, it's really not that. And it, it's, there's this sense in which when you jump into the podcasting space, you're jumping in with a lot of people as well. There are folks out there that everyone's heard of. There are folks out there that no one's heard of. 
I come in with a name no one's ever heard of me before. Right. Not in the <laughs> not in the hunting podcast realm, right? And so I don't feel like I need to do it so that I can put flashy pictures on Instagram. But I do feel like there's this sense in which I've got imposter syndrome going on. Like I don't belong here. Right. You know, I've got great I've got great brands getting behind our show. And it's like I don't I don't belong. I'm a phony. They're going to they're going to figure me out, man, and and I'm going to be exposed. And so I need to get out there and prove it to myself and to everybody else that I belong here. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, that's not true. Like the, these brands, are, they're great people and, and they're getting behind what we're doing because they believe in the Wisconsin Sportsman podcast. They believe in the How to Hunt Deer podcast. And, um, you know, they're, they're just a good fit for, for, for our brands, right? I mean, they just, it, it's, a, it's a fantastic relationship but I feel like I need to prove myself. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, man, I can, I can certainly resonate with that. And it has certainly turned up the, turned up the heat, so to speak. I have too. This has been a wonderful ride. I'm anxious to see where it continues to go. I'm having fun with it. It's brought a new element to my hunting and outdoor experience. Um, Josh, I really appreciate you taking some time and chatting with us and kind of relating some things in different parts of the country yet relating something that no matter where in the country you can think about and it's the same no matter where you're at um and and wherever you spend time in creation Uh, last question i gotta ask you so you've got an eight six and four year old i think you said um does it get a little easier the older they get because it's been quite a journey here when they're pretty young um, uh, I'm trying to not discourage you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it just gets different, man. It, it's the same level of hard and it's just different. And, you know, I had some, some dear friends of ours tell me, um, back when our kids were, we had a two, uh, like a two year old and, uh, just a couple month old. And so right around the same boat that you're in and we were at this church event and we were just dog tired. We hadn't slept in days. Babies weren't sleeping, you know, it was just miserable. And they came by and they said, Hey, look, it's physically exhausting when you're at this stage, it's mentally and um, spiritually and emotionally exhausting when they get older. Mm. So just embrace the time and enjoy each season for what it is. And so that's what we're trying to do, but it gets different. I don't know if it gets easier. That's what I'm trying to do as well. And when you sit back and you truly appreciate it based on the priorities you set in life, like I, I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I try to have my priorities set as God, family, my friends and the people around me, then maybe my finances and, you know, a couple other things fall in. And then somewhere down toward the bottom is hunting in the outdoors. Um, and when you look through it at that scope, I think it's easy to enjoy the seasons of life. But when you're trying to get blind, you're blinded by your ambition in your outdoors and trying to fill a tag, it can be really hard to look at it through that scope. Yep, absolutely. Josh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having this conversation with us. I'm really anxious to have you back on because I want to hear about more of your deer hunting and out of state. Uh, strategies that you've got coming up for this fall. So we'll have to do this again leading in and go from there. Sounds good, buddy. Anytime. Thanks.